Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. Hello listeners, Christopher Sweeney here. Welcome to Homo Sapiens Extra and welcome to Tumbleweed. There is no Alan coming, everybody, because Alan is filming his film in Canada. So I'm going to be doing Homo Sapiens Extra duties this season, but he will be with us for all the big main interviews. So don't you worry. And we have got some brilliant ones coming up. This season, we have got a little bit of a different format for Homo Sapiens Extra. It's still going to have all the emails and the news, Agony Uncle, and all the things that you love. But we're also going to be adding in two other things to hear from you a bit more. We want to hear from you even more than we already do. We're going to do Topic of the Week, and we're also going to do Culture Club, where we hear from you about what you're reading, what you're listening, what you're watching, what you're eating. If you remember in lockdown, we did it on those Instagram Lives, and you guys wrote in so many brilliant recommendations. So we're going to continue on that tip. And this week, I'm also going to be talking to Skin, from Skunk Anansi because I've been reading her book which is so good but first of all what did you all think of last week's interview with Tam France isn't he just like the funniest person I love him that whole interview has stayed with me as what a lovely example of what a positive incredible person you can be while also being massively famous and successful um if you haven't listened to it yet you can always download it from your favorite podcast provider so go and have a listen now let's do some emails Natalie in California has been in touch and she's talking about Sue Perkins. Oh, subject is Sue Perkins, a fond memory of her. Hi, firstly, I want to say that I'm a huge fan of your podcast, having discovered it earlier this year. It never fails to put a smile on my face and always provides me with a great deal of comfort in a multitude of ways. Thank you. Pleasure. Um, I wanted to share a memory with you of a very fond time I spent with Sue Perkins about 25 years ago. I recall that she and her friend, actress Sally Phillips, were fresh out of university. I was in sixth form at the time. They came to our school in Marylebone in London to put on a play, perhaps to gain some experience producing and directing. I wasn't an actress, but wanted to help in some way. So I became a sort of stagehand props person, costume lady. Oh, Natalie, I've done that. It's a mess. 
Sue made me feel just as important a part of the team as anyone else. She was inclusive, caring, positive, encouraging, and very much the kind and sensitive soul we see on our TV screens now. Oh, that's so lovely. At the end of the production, she hand-wrote postcards to everyone who worked on the play. The notes were heartfelt, personal, and so specific to the person that she was writing to. As an insecure 18-year-old, that card meant so much to me. It made me feel important, included, and worthy. 25 years later, I now live in California and I'm having to endure the horror show of the 2020 presidential election. I made a conscious effort last week not to watch the debate between Trump and Biden, but instead I chose to rewatch the first season of Great British Bake Off, knowing it would provide me with comfort and escapism. Thank you, Sue. Natalie, that is such a lovely email. Natalie Paso Robles, California, formerly of Regent's Park. Ooh, very smart. Now, if you remember last time, we were talking about soap. Uh, and my wormhole was about why I couldn't find any nice, like good, uh, socially and environmentally conscious soap. Well, I have set a cat among the pigeons, listeners, because you have all been writing in. I'm going to give you a rundown, otherwise we would be here till Wednesday. Anna Maria in New Zealand, she wrote in, she actually makes her own soap, but she also said, look up Jan Berry, who has put out a soap making book. Best of all, none of her recipes use palm oil and are all vegetarian. Hello. Jason from the UK was in touch and he, he said, dear the queer community's Anton Deck, aka Chris and Ellen. Oh my God, that is the best. Um, he said, Beco, which is B-E-C-O, they do a socially conscious bar of soap. They only employ people who are visually impaired, disabled or disadvantaged. And their website is a tool to get these people the jobs they've always dreamed of. It's a brilliant company. And to your point, it only costs £2.59. That's so cool. And then Pippa got in touch. She said, the English soap company. And a bit of Windy Pops. And at Little Sud Soap on Instagram are two good soap companies to have a look at. So, you know, listeners, go have a look. Send us any other recommendations you've got. Although I've got enough, enough recommendations that last me a lifetime. Now, Kristen has been in touch, who is an American living in London, she says. Dear Homo Sapiens, I love your podcast. I am straight, so I have learned lots and think you have the most interesting guests who don't seem like they are trying to promote something, but rather sharing what it is like to be them, which I find totally fascinating. Do you know why that is, Kristen? It's because they're not promoting anything. We write them little letters and say, please come on the podcast. Um, I wanted to share a story that illustrates how times have really changed. In this political climate, I feel a bit hopeless, but my kids do give me hope for the future. My son is a late bloomer who was a chubby boy who then turned into a very handsome boy, even more so because he is not quite aware of it. He just started university and met a guy who started sending him loads of texts and flirtation emojis and sexual suggestions. My son is not gay, but did not freak out at all. He told me about it and said the guy is definitely after him. His response was to say that he is a great guy. I would just have to tell him we can just be friends. So nice. I thought, wow, how mature and cool. I can't imagine my contemporaries responding like that when I was at university. I really do think the younger generations should be given credit for being much more open-minded and accepting. I love how otherness is not a big deal to them. Just to note that I am an American living in London for 25 years, so I am available for any translations you need. Yet saying that, I always get the aubergine eggplant and courgette zucchini thing mixed up. Me too, Kristen, and I'm English. It also took me a few embarrassing times to get the difference between snog and shag. So I, 
<laughs> Sorry, maybe I'm not the best English American translator. All the best, Kristen. Ah, oh, thank you. So good for heartwarming stories, less for translation. I think that's a nice way around to have it, Kristen. And then if you remember, we were talking about LGBTQ plus retirement homes. Well, Patrick, it's very international this week. Patrick in Madrid, Spain, has been in touch. In your recent podcast, you talk about retirement homes for the elderly. And I wanted to let you know that here in Spain, there were talks of the country's first home opening in Madrid. And he's put um, a little article link, which is low. Let's have a look. Let's see if I can click it. Consent. Yep. Cookies. Just signed away my life. Um, A building in the Villa Verde district in the south of Madrid has been earmarked to house the retirement home. Hope it's not residential. What with all the rave music they'll be blasting out. It says here, Spain has been a pioneer of gay rights, becoming one of the first European countries to grant equal marriage and adoption rights to same-sex couples in 2005. Good to know. Back to Patrick's email. Whether or not that has yet to come to fruition, I can't confirm. But I do know that last summer, the organisation, along with a truckload of elder LGBTQ plus beneficiaries, marched in the Madrid Pride and received perhaps the loudest cheers of the whole parade, which was just lovely. So lovely to experience. Anyway, thank you again for your time and the podcast. I look forward to the new season. Here it is, Patrick. This is the new season. Thank you so much for writing in. That's so nice as well about the Pride Parade. I remember when we went to Euro Pride in Stockholm, the one that got the biggest cheer was the, um, there was a school, like young kids on a bus that went through and it was all about lgbtq plus solidarity in schools it's such a lovely thing to see we love hearing from you so please email your comments questions and agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com and if you want a chance to win a t-shirt please leave a review on the podcast app and if you want to get in touch or stay connected everything is happening over on at homo sapiens on instagram or on facebook at homo sapiens podcast Time for some LGBTQ plus news. The first story is the UK census is going to ask about sexual orientation for the first time. So the census is what they call a snapshot of the entire population on a designated night taking place every 10 years since 1801, with the exception during the Second World War. Blimey, I didn't know it'd been going on that long. So Reliable data on the proportion of the UK population that is lesbian, gay or transgender will be gathered for the first time in next year's census, with members of the public asked to provide information about their sexual orientation and gender identity. The questions, which will be voluntary and for people aged 16 and over, will help build a clearer picture for policymakers and service providers. Well, that is great, because, you know, I... I wonder what you think, listeners, but like the the only thing I ever know is people say, oh, 10% of the population are queer. That's just this random fact that I've always, we've always gone on, but I have no idea where that came from. People will be required to tick female or male in response to the question, what is your sex? With a note alerting them to a later question on gender identity. That's not great because I thought we're supposed to be having some progress here. It should should include all people on the gender spectrum. But this later question will ask, is the gender you identify with the same as your sex registered at birth? Those responding no will be asked to specify their gender identity. Hmm, okay. Well, this is brilliant. Um, it's kind of mad to me that it's only the first time they've ever done it for sexuality. So 10 years ago, I was 28. That's when they did it last. And there was no questions about uh, sexuality. 
gender identity feels like more of a a newer thing in the current conversation. Obviously, gender identity has been around since the beginning of time. Um, but I'd love to know what you think. Is this progress? What do you feel about those questions, particularly the sex questions? I think could I personally think could do with some improvement. They need to be accounting for. Lots of people cannot say what their sexuality is. A lot of people, it's fluid. So if this is being used to assess what allocation of funds and things are, that that will be taken into account. From the UK listeners, may I fly you over to Belgium, where some great news, the world's first transgender cabinet minister has been appointed. The world's first, can you believe? Petra de Souter, 57, of the Green Party, is a doctor and professor of gynaecology. She has been appointed the Minister for Public Administration and Enterprises and will also serve one of seven deputy prime ministers. This is great, she's a deputy. One for each of the seven political parties that make up the coalition sworn in last week after 16 months of negotiations. That's quicker than Brexit. Ooh, maybe she should come on the show. What do you think, listeners? That's brilliant. Very cool. More of that, please. So it was National Coming Out Day recently. Coming out is obviously a very complicated thing for many people, but there were some lovely things shared online. And one of them was this guy called George Griffiths, who I think is a journalist. Um, he shared this really sweet story that I shared on Instagram, actually. So he writes out like the conversation between him and coming out to his dad. And it said, Dad, a six foot four massive rugby player. So are we having girlfriends or boyfriends? 17 year old me shitting myself answers boyfriends. Dad says, thought so. Do you want a cup of tea? And underneath he says, never stop believing in the kindness of other people. Happy National Coming Out Day. Which is so sweet, which led us to ask you guys for your heartwarming coming out stories. And there are so many sweet ones. So the first one is someone who says, um, I came out to my bestie who pretty much knew, gave her the confidence to start figuring out where she fits and the confidence to discuss it. it meant the world to me. So that's really cool. And also, I have the funniest thing. When you come out, when when I came out, when I was younger, like every time I told someone I was gay, they always re responded with a secret about themselves. It's such a weird period. I wonder if anyone else listening has had that. It's kind of a lesson that like being vulnerable, being honest about yourself always inspires that in other people. And actually then you connect, which is the whole reason we're here, listeners. Uh, then someone else has said came out to my mum and she was just ecstatic that I wasn't on drugs <laughs> someone else has said I was born the end they all knew no one cared well that is great here's a really lovely one I came out to my children um, as trans masculine non-binary this year and they chose my new name for me and I love it that is really really sweet now, listen, I understand that it really is not that easy for everybody. So there are some really good resources if you want to talk to people about coming out. In the UK, Switchboard LGBT plus helpline are brilliant. You can also follow them on Instagram at Switchboard LGBT or you can phone them on 0300 And they've got a little chat function on their website as well. So you, you can do it even more privately should you want to. But Travis Alabanza actually said something that I posted about, which I thought was great. Travis Alabanza, by the way, um, amazing writer, poet, performer, who is going to be on this season, breaking news. Um, they said, 
Coming out and being in is still a binary I do not understand. So many of us and our outness is in flux. Constantly coming out are constantly coming back in, are setting our own terms. As always, outness is not a prerequisite for validity. National Coming Out Day. Very nicely explaining that it is very personal and very individual, I would say. You've all heard my coming out story. Oh, I told Tam France that last week, didn't we? Um, his coming out story, blimey. Speaking of thorny issues, of which there are many sides, all of which have their own validity, listeners, it brings me to topic of the week. Now, we were talking about the Colin Firth, Stanley Tucci film, Supernova, which is these two straight actors playing a gay couple. We discussed it on Homo Sapiens Extra two weeks ago. Alan and I were sort of debating, saying, you know, what do we think about the fact that these two actors are straight? Well, you have been writing in in your drove. So I'm just going to read out a few of your emails um, from all over the globe, no less, because it's a fascinating topic. So Emma Jackman in Canada has said, in the latest Homo Sapiens Extra episode, you discussed whether it is OK for straight actors to play gay characters. To this, I would say for the most part, no. First off, this is an industry that for far too long was a place of non-acceptance and to not cast queer actors is the beginning of a slide towards discrimination, however slight or unintentional it may be. However, the more important reason that I think it is not okay is the idea of representation. It is important to see yourself represented in the media you consume growing up as it allows one to connect and not feel so alone and feel like how you are is not wrong. I think she means for how you are is wrong. Basically, she's saying, you know, you got to, it's that thing, you got to see it to be it, right? So you got to know that there's nothing wrong with you if you're gay and you got to see that on screen. I'm assuming. Please write into hello at com if I'm getting this wrong. Having gay queer characters is not enough in the age of social media where so many fans connect not only with the character but the actor too, as it alludes to the idea that it's okay to be queer by fill in the blank in a fictional universe but not actually in reality. Representation is so incredibly important. There is a very similar issue with disability representation in popular media as well. Of course, this is me talking with my idealism hat on, realising that this is not always possible, but that every effort should be made by producers to give actors that accurately represent the part the first chance at playing it. Yeah. So true, isn't it? I think the the really interesting point about the social media thing is like, you know, how we do connect with people um, outside of their role and we want that to be more authentic nowadays and it's there's absolutely no reason why it shouldn't be and if you think about people like Brandon Flynn from 13 Reasons Why you know like he's got a massive following and he's gay there's no reason why you can't have actors of that stature playing gay roles I think also what springs to mind is it's about people having you almost need like a industry-wide this isn't going to happen anymore because only then would change be brought about now paul has also been in touch from paul from somewhere in the world doesn't say where um one of the things that worries me about people saying that only lgbtq plus actors should play lgbtq plus roles is that such a policy would mean that only out lgbtq plus actors could play those roles we know with a high degree of certainty that around half the lgbtq plus population are not out Hmm, interesting well after the census poll we're going to have we're going to have the whole shebang. Do you know what? It doesn't say on the census, though, whether you could say you are not out. That would be a good addition. I'm hoping it would be private, though. 
Fortunately, the younger population are more inclined to be open about their sexuality. But the older you are, the less likely you are to be open. You could end up with a double prejudice, therefore, barring actors who are not out and barring older closeted LGBTQ plus actors from taking roles that they are well qualified to play. To take one recent example, if only LGBTQ plus actors could take LGBTQ plus roles, Keenan Lonsdale would never have got his part in Love, Simon, as he only came out to his fellow actors at the rap party and in public after that. Oh, I did not know that. I think there are lots of other things we should be doing to encourage diversity in acting without resorting to allocating roles based on a prejudice about a person's sexuality. Thanks for providing such a wonderful podcast. Oh, Paul, don't mention it. Which is both entertaining and thought-provoking. From Paul. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think you really do not want to be preventing that happening. And I think that you also really do not want to be forcing people to come out. So it's it's another really... It's another really interesting and really important angle. Ashley's coming on in strong with another brilliant angle on this. Um, don't know where Ashley's from. I agree that it's difficult to decide on how you feel about it. As I was never personally offended by this, and as a queer writer myself, I will never stop getting excited for queer stories. Me too, Ashley. However, I would highly recommend you watch Disclosure on Netflix. Mea culpa, listeners, I have not watched it. That's terrible. Um, it focuses mainly on the trans issue around cinema, but Jem Richards says something amazing about this issue that finally made me understand what the problem was. She talks about how straight actors playing trans roles can be directly linked to real-life violence against trans people. Because if famous, attractive, masculine actors with huge followings play trans women and then they get back out of their costumes to accept their awards as men, it perpetuates this idea that trans women are still men and therefore the angry, closeted, internally homophobic people that take an interest in them freak out and lash out, often hurting or killing them because of their own shame. Whereas beautiful trans women playing trans women such as Laverne Cox perpetuate no such idea. She is a woman on screen and off screen and there is no notion that she is a man. It works the same for any LGBT roles. Straight actors playing queer roles are only doing it for the acclaim they know they will receive as it has somehow been deemed an amazing skill for a straight man to convincingly kiss another man without recoiling. Try it, you might like it, would be my advice there. We give them all the credit for taking a little holiday in our queer everyday life and it is about time we stopped awarding straight cis people for capitalising on queer stories. It is similar but in no way the same to white people playing black people in horrible blackface. Thankfully, that shit show is no more, but it is all about a privileged group of people pretending to be a marginalised, victimised group of people for their own gain. Thanks, Ashley. Well, um, you know, the point about the famous, attractive masculine actors playing trans women and then going to accept their awards as men is such a brilliant point that is made in Disclosure and it feeds into so much of the narrative created by a certain kind of press who want to deny that trans people are the gender that they know they are. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a really interesting point. The other thing that springs to mind is Viola Davis shared this thing on Instagram, which is about there is no such thing as white culture because white culture permeates everywhere. So you can't call it culture in the same way that you can talk about black culture or in this case I'm thinking about queer culture and we spend a lot of time educating people about ourselves when we have always had to be educated about their way of living well 
what? That is fascinating. I feel like I've been to university for the day there. Wonderful. Thank you, listeners. Please, can you write in what other topics you would like us to discuss? And we'll get going on it. Now, we've got a new section called Culture Club, because if you remember during lockdown, we shared so much on Instagram Live and you guys wrote in with so many recommendations about what to watch, what you're reading, what you're cooking, what music you're listening to. And it was so lovely to read and actually learn all the stuff or get all those brilliant recommendations from you all that we're going to bring it back and we're going to call it Culture Club. Get it? First up, music. I have been listening to a guy called Joseph, which is J-O-E-S-E-F. He is uh, a queer singer from the UK. He makes me think of like a queer lounge lizardy Amy Winehouse. I doubt he would agree with that assessment, but uh, I just love his music and he's very witty and his lyrics are beautiful. So look him up if you haven't heard him. Loads of you have been listening to friend of the podcast, Jessie Ware and her album, of course, because it's disco and it's camp and it's wonderful. So if you haven't listened to that, my God, you've got to listen to it. Swiss Vandermeer has been listening to Melody Gardo. Oh my God, I love her. I haven't listened to her in ages. Um, Shelley's written Pasta. I think that was meant for the food section. Shelley. Eric's been listening to Perfume Genius. Oh my God. And he says would make an excellent guest. Very good point. And lots of people talking about Roisin Murphy as well, who's got a new album out, which is very kind of disco as well. It's funny that people are wanting like that kind of music, sort of uplifting escapism with Corona. Quite interesting. Except for Why Gold, Why Not Silver has been listening to 80s rock. Glam rock, maybe? I hope so. TV shows. Well, I've been watching The Trump Show which is the documentary about the story of Donald Trump's presidency, basically, and how woefully underprepared he was, which is absolutely fascinating because all these people who who have come out, who were involved in the administration, it's been long enough for them to now start talking about the absolute chaos and how unprepared he was. So that has been amazing. Also good because it's something me and my husband can agree on watching, which is a rare feat. Something he won't watch with me is Dragon's Den, I'm obsessed. Dragon's Den, for our American listeners, is the same as the shark tank that you have over there. Oh my God, so many of you talking about Schitt's Creek. Hilariously surreal. I'm desperate to watch it. I still haven't watched it and I will, I will, I will. Because it's apparently the most beautiful gay story ever. So a lot of you have been watching that and is reminding me I need to watch it. A lot of you have been watching Hollywood as well. Missile Gig has been watching Selling Sunset. I watched three episodes and I was like, I just don't think I can do this. I don't know if I can sign over enough of my life to getting sucked into this. Do you know what I mean? Also, by the way, it would be nice if they showed a bit more of the houses. I feel like they don't show enough property porn. I feel like there's a gap in the market for like actually showing these incredible houses rather than as much of the kind of reality show side. But, you know, who am I to comment? Food. Now, a lot of people have been cooking vegan food. Nigella's vegan curry as SHXX Agonal has been making. I've not done Nigella's stuff. Lots of people have been cooking fresh pasta, which is nice. I've got some fresh pasta in the freezer. Um, I've been cooking tons and tons of vegan stuff. Linda McCartney's vegan meatballs have changed my life. Corn chicken bits, delicious. And I had, oh, this is the best one. 
I had Linda McCartney's vegan duck, like you get in a duck pancake when you have Chinese food. And it comes from the freezer and you just fry it really quickly. And it is absolutely delicious with chopped cucumber. You put it in a pancake, chopped spring onion, and then loads of hoisin sauce, which is basically sugar. Um, Gold Ginger 77 has been cooking sweet and sour tofu. Lee Fuller's been making mussels in white wine and bread. Not a fan of fish myself, Lee, but that doesn't mean it's not delicious. Stanway 80 chicken soup at the moment. Okay, is everything all right? You can tell us if it's not. Send us your favourite recipes, please, listeners, as well. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. What are your winter warmers? That's what I want to know. Burks, Siroc 76 is that how I say your name? Has been reading Home Stretch by Graham Norton. It says, one of my favourite books of the past 10 years. That is so lovely. I love Graham Norton. Love, love, love Graham Norton. 5114 says they've been reading Theft by Finding by David Sedaris, who's been on this podcast. Oh, Tom, Tom Will said that he is reading Fabulosa, the story of Polari. That's really cool. And Kelly Louise Williams has been reading Spectacles by Sue Perkins, which of course I have read in preparation for our interview with her. And I loved it. Why Gold Not Silver has been reading Growing Up Queer in Australia. Is that a book? Okay. Um, One of the things I've been reading this week is a book by a previous guest of ours, Skin, who um, is an amazing solo artist, but probably came to your prominence through her band Skunk and Nancy. She's got a book out called It Takes Blood and Guts and it's so good and I was reading it this week and it's got so many pertinent details in it about growing up as a queer black woman in rock music. You know, in reading her story, I was thinking, I wonder if it'd be any easier now, to be quite honest, because, you know, sometimes the world feels like it's going backwards. Sometimes it feels like it's going forward. So, um, why are we asking me when we could ask the lady herself? So I'm going to call Skin on here. 0800 Skin, I think. Hello. Skin. Hello, hello. It's Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm currently looking at a TV at the UK's biggest pumpkin. <laughs> You're what? Oh, is this on this morning? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is why I love lots, this morning. Lots of jokes about giant pumpkins, you know, and stuff like that. Giant, giant cucumbers and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, it's like we, the UK has never, never gotten rid of Benny Hill humour. You know, it's like... It's so true. It's, it's just we still have this Benny Hill thing going, the FNAF, FNAF, oh, look at my big pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, I love your book. Massive congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, honestly, like, it's such a beautiful read. There were a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. And I just wondered, do you think if you were, in 2020, a young queer black woman who wanted to make it in rock, do you think it would be any easier now? No, I think it would actually be more difficult. And the reason um, is, I think that rock is not really the music that's at the forefront of Radio 1 or lots of other stations now. Yeah. The establishment still kind of control a lot of stuff. Mm. But I think in terms of exciting new stuff, that's kind of social media kind of endorsed stuff, I think um, Skunk and Nancy would just be massive in that in that world. And maybe in that world, that would be the next step. And then you'd have, you know, the, the establishment of bigger corporations and, and stuff getting into it afterwards. Mm. But, the, but you know, you have to have a big record company press that button. Do you see any young queer black artists who excite you at the moment? 
I think there are loads, to be honest. I mean, the serpent with feet, I think, um, you know, they're amazing. Oh, serpent with feet, I love. Um, my girlfriend, Lady Fang, she actually has um, a festival. You know, she's always hunting for brand new bands, and her festival is based around brand new queer talent. So I have the, the luck of actually being able to um, see what she's looking at in her oh, that's computer. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of really interesting, exciting new stuff. But I still think that when you look at um, the way that trans people and non-binary people are kind of viewed in the in the press and viewed in the kind of greater scheme of things, you know, because if you if you're going to be get that to that level of um, success, you have to appeal to the you know the the normal kind of everyday people, you know, the the, the masses. Um, and I think that even though we could feel like we're at the edge of the sparkling new bright new future sometimes when you get into that world you're like wow nothing's changing in 20 or 30 years for those people mm. and that's why i think we have such a bit of a right-wing wave because you know they're very uncomfortable with the way that um you know music is and, and culture is and and how queer culture has moved forward you mentioned right wing and stuff and there's a story in your book it's interesting because it feels like it could be the most rock and roll story ever it's about you being thrown out of your own gig when you were supporting the sex pistols but actually there's so many layers of what you had to face on a daily basis in your career well yeah i mean we were on tour we'd done um gigs with them in, in festivals in england and as a consequence they said oh would you come and tour australia with us and so basically because Sid vicious used to wear these um nazi patches and swastikas you know the sex pistols back in the 70s were about being as rude and obnoxious as they possibly could. And in those days, one of the major ways to be obnoxious was to pretend to be a fascist. And so every gig you would have this contingent in the audience of Nazi fans, you know, you'd have them see Kyling and shouting racist abuse. And we really did feel like we were just on our own. We really felt like it's like, well, you're just in that. You've just got to take it. You've just got to deal with it. Um, that's what it's like to be in a rock band. You can't moan about it because then you're perceived as, um, uh, you know, weak or a bunch of pussies or, you know, the kind of usual masochistic, you know, macho language that happens mm. in the rock world, in mm. the rock world. So there I am sat watching a gig, um, standing by the sound desk, and this guy just comes up to me and I was wearing this sample hat, this skunk Nancy hat. The guy just dragged this hat off my head and threw it on the floor. And I just turned to him as if to say, and I just was like about to say, well, what'd you fucking, what'd you do that for? Mm. Uh, and he just threw his whole full uh, glass of it all over me, just completely drenched me. And I think just something just switched in my head and I just put my, he was a very tall guy, I put my hand on his shoulder, I didn't do that, to jump up, to punch him right in the face. Um, and I, you know, I haven't been in a fight since I was 14. So I was a bit like, I just was like, there's no other reaction. I just punched him straight in the face. And he just kind of was drunk. So he just went flat on the floor. And then all of a sudden, I mean, people don't see me drenched with beer. They just see me punch this guy. Mm. So now I've got a crowd of kind of like angry, you know, Nazi fans. So, and then I basically just ran back to the dressing room, soaked to get a towel. And was like, the boys are like, what happened to you? And I got like, this guy just punched, he just threw his whole thing of, Good. So I punched him, and now they're all after me. You know, they went looking for this guy, and I, I pointed the guy out, and Cass went up to him and just threw his his drink in this guy's face. And then there's just this massive standoff. You know, his fans and our crew and our fans and blah blah blah. And then because Cass had you know thrown the drink at him, the security came out, and the whole band and our crew, all of us, got thrown out of the building. 
Um, and so I nearly left the tour at that point because I was like, what am I doing here? I'm just getting abused every night. I'm getting no support from the, from the, from the band or the security or the venues or the management of the, of the Sex Pistols. Mm. And, and it's interesting because if I think about how, well, how would that play out now? Number one, it would be filmed somewhere. Somebody would have filmed it. Mm. And number two, you know, I think that people would be, you know, on at the Sex Pistols and on at the management and it would be a completely different story, you know? Mm. Um, uh, and I think that's in some ways the, the, the power of uh, social media, which actually can go for you or against you. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was, that was, I would say that was our hardest tour that we've had a, ever been on. It's such a shocking story to hear. And, um, you know, not something, it's something that just should not have happened. The book is just full of so many stories like that. And one of the things that I particularly love about it, which is like how shy you were and how you were not in any way a performer from a like from a young age you know it's something that you felt you wanted to do and it grew within you and then you you just found your own way to do it against so many different obstructions um it's such a brilliant book for anyone to read who you know wants to do something but can't see a path because you had everything thrown in your way and still you managed it yeah i mean i i think the main thing was that i really listened to good advice and I think that in some ways I, I've always wanted to be a performer and singer I always thought I would be someone behind the camera though because I always thought well I'm just too shy I'm just too quiet mm. and I guess if certain things hadn't happened to me you know if like if um I hadn't had an abusive first boyfriend if I hadn't had the guy who attacked me um and mm. then stalked me mm. I think that you know, I'm not sure if that side of myself would have come out. You know, in some in some ways, I kind of had to be pushed into it and forced into it just by life, the way that life happened. And it's weird to say that I'm glad that happened because I'm not obviously not glad I got beat up and not glad that I got stalked and sexual abuse or anything like that. Um, but those things happened. So it was about how am I going to do that? How am I going to get myself out there? How am I going to move on and how am I going to continue my life and not let this things that have happened just crush my spirit and crush my sense of self mm, and, mm. and 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 lead me to be in a situation where I won't be able to do anything I want to do because I'll just be living in fear and fear of myself and so in that way I'm glad those things happened because I needed the kick up the arse in order to get where I wanted to get listen listeners go and get this book it's called it takes blood and guts it's out now congratulations skin it's amazing it's just such a wonderful book I'm so pleased you wrote it oh thank you so much um, thank you now Skinny, we're doing Agony Uncles this season on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Our listeners write in with their Agony Uncle questions. Alan, who is hosting this season with me, is filming. So I wondered, would you answer? Would you mind answering a couple of questions with me from our listeners? Sure, sure. This is from Kay, we'll say, which is, this is a gay man. Um how to deal with body insecurity within the gay community? This is a big question. You know, I really, really understand that. Yes, you have all of the gay boys and all of the people looking beautiful and amazing. There's a certain section of people that are only attracted to that, and that's, you know, that's fine and whatever. But I, in my experience, I think gay people are so much deeper than that. Queer people are so much deeper than that. And that's what you've got to kind of be kind of centred on and be interested in and look for. Um, not just the guys that are just, you know, hot, you know. I think that in my sense, one of my gay friends and stuff like that, we, we and, and in myself, you know, that might be interesting at a certain point. But really, I think that queer culture is the most accepting and open 
and beautiful and warm kind of community. So I think it's just for me. I just I think one of the one of the best things is to not really put yourself in those environments and go to those kind of clubs because there's so much else going on and there's we are so much deeper than that. Mm. And I know that we're we're very good at portraying you know all the Instagram things with the hot boys blah blah blah. But I think that the thing is just look for something else. Don't kind of center on that and see that as your competition and see that is a thing that you're supposed to be into because actually um, underneath the surface of all that you know people just don't care <laughs> you know <laughs> people don't care how hot you are people just want love and to be with someone and to be loved and and that doesn't have to be by some hot boy it can be just love always look underneath the surface that is such beautiful advice and I think what also is that take the effort I always think like take the effort that you're going to put into trying to get this identikit body so that you fit in and put that into trying to find people who are going to love you for who you are and actually it'll take less effort and they are out there everyone just wants love and to be in a relationship and to wake up and have someone making breakfast (laughs) (laughs) okay so I've got one more this is from a guy i'm dating someone who isn't out as things have got serious he won't introduce me to his family and says he has no intention of ever coming out should i stick with him personally i can really understand um your boyfriend's um, state of mind and i can understand how difficult that is for him the most important thing i would say to you is you have to be comfortable with the life that you want to live Mm -hmm. so if that is not good situation for you and you're not comfortable with that then you're going to have to find a way to to get out of the relationship or make you know it's it's not about what he wants to do he's been very clear and he's been very honest about what he wants and you have to respect that but if that's not going to work for you and if you don't want to live your life like that then you're going to have to release the relationship you know, they need to find a person that wants the same things that they do rather mm. than trying to force someone that they're with to, to, to want to do the same things that they do. I know you may love that person, but eventually you're going to actually do more damage to your mental health and you're going to do more damage to yourself by being controlled by someone who doesn't want the same things as you do. You're like Mother Earth skin. <laughs> I think that's such good advice. It's about what do you want out of it? And also the other thing that springs to mind when I'm, listening is like you know it's because i don't know what um this person's boyfriend is religion wise and stuff and you know there's all that stuff going on with people and sometimes it takes a long long time and there's huge repercussions so you know you need to discuss that together and it's yeah i mean that for, for that for that other person for his partner coming out may mean his death you know, it could be mm. as serious as that. Mm. So he, he or she or they may not have the opportunity to do that. And I, and I can completely, I, I, I can see that and I can see how that's, it's not so, it's all easy for us in our, in our societies and our communities to be like, well, I just want to be out. You know, some people do not have that choice. Mm. Um, mm. And, they, and it's a life and death thing. Uh, and it's just not easy. So mm. I, I'm not going to condemn that person for staying in the closet because I think it's a, it's a personal choice. But I think that person... Um, may need to find someone who's in the same situation as he is um, mm-hmm. so that they can keep each other alive and keep each other and have a, a gay relationship but mm. not an out gay relationship and that, that's a, person, a perfectly viable thing for someone to have it's been, and I know that happens um, all around the world you know I have friends in South Africa who have to live like that 
Um, mm. But I just think it's it's probably not for you. I think it, you, you guys sound like you're, they're two different kind of people and two different kind of things. And although they love each other, um, I think it could actually be quite destructive for the person who doesn't want that life. Oh, Skin, you're amazing. Thank you. I remember last time I chatted to you, he, he gave me coffee and I don't drink coffee. And oh, I really? think I... I spoke, <laughs> I think I had about 800 words a minute. <laughs> so I really? apologise in retrospect for that. <laughs> oh, no, you're amazing. It's still one of our favourite interviews we ever did. Like, it was just, it was so brilliant. And it's so nice to talk to you again. And listen, thank you for writing the book. And thank you so much for chatting to us. And everybody, it's called It Takes Blood and Guts. Go get it now. Amazon or or from your local independent bookseller, No. Yeah. Well, thank you, Skin. Loads of love to you, and we'll chat soon. Thank you. Lots of love. Bye. Oh, what a delight she is. She has this way of looking at life, which is always just from a completely different angle, and her book is just amazing. And I love that she watches this morning. Now, it's time for community shout-out, people. Richard Angel from the Terence Higgins Trust, he's been at me on the DMs on Twitter. And he got in touch because there's some very interesting news about PrEP. So PrEP is the drug that stops HIV transmission. So he wrote me a little note and it says, At the end of September, after five years of campaigning court cases and sadly people becoming HIV positive who never should have done, the government has announced £11.2 million for sexual health clinics to roll out PrEP completely for free on the NHS. The money, which has already been paid to local councils, is on top of the money for the PrEP drug and is for new appointments so people can get tested and provided with PrEP. This has been years in the making. Great organisations like Terence Higgins Trust and Prepster have led the campaigning and the National AIDS Trust successfully took the NHS to court and many more have made their voice heard. The country-wide rollout starts now, so contact your sexual health clinic and see if PrEP can help you, your partner, friends or others. And he says, know your HIV status and help fight stigma. HIV is not the health condition it once was. So thanks for that. So if you think about PrEP people, contact your sexual health clinic. See if it's the right thing for you. I also have a little bit of housekeeping slash confession to make. I'm afraid there's been a clerical error on the t-shirts and I've just got to fess up. All the people who've written in and told me that you've won a t-shirt. I packaged them up beautifully. I put them in envelopes and I put them by the front door to be posted. Cut to a man knocks at our front door. He is collecting a parcel. My husband opens the door, thinks the man is collecting your T-shirts and gives them to that man. He takes them off in his van. We have no idea who he is. And your T-shirts have now disappeared into the ether and can and will not be arriving at your homes because they didn't have stamps on or anything. So, please, God, if you have recently won a T-shirt, please could you do me a favour, write in again to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Honesty only, please, by the way. And we will send you a T-shirt again. My apologies for the clerical error. Mea culpa is all I'll say there, listeners. I think that's it for this week, listeners. Next week, good golly Miss Molly, hold on to your hats. We've got Debbie Harry on the show. Alan and I are talking to none other than Debbie Harry. It is such a wonderful, brilliant interview. She is such a cool person. She's so kind. She's so funny. She's got the best stories. Cannot wait for you to hear it. So tune in next week for that. If you like this podcast and you're not yet a subscriber, please hit the subscribe button. And do you know what else you could do? 
you could share it with your friends send them a link get them listening share the good word spread the gospel and if you would like a chance to win a t-shirt please leave a review on the apple podcast app please email us in your comments your questions and your agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com and please get in touch stay connected with us on instagram at homo sapiens or on facebook at homo sapiens podcast.com thank you so much for listening thank you so much for your letters they are lifeblood keep sending your recommendations please keep in touch we love you and we will see you for debbie harry next week goodbye powered by spirit studios